We've been in a series on divine dreams. We're closing that series today. I hope it's been a blessing to you. We talked about Jacob and Joseph. We talked about the Apostle Paul when he said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision right before he would be martyred. We talked about dream killers, the curse of morose, the sin of doing nothing, the sin of the sideline. And then last week we talked about the sin of covetousness and greed, seeking things for yourself out of season and the curse that can bring on someone. We talked in detail about the cost of sin and the comeback from sin. We close today with a message about our destiny as a church. This is a personal message. It's a message that is from God for you and for this church. I have dreams as an individual. I have dreams for my children. I have personal dreams, things I want to accomplish as an individual. I want to make it clear to you that the dream of Abba's house is not a Ronnie Phillips dream or a Ron Phillips dream. It is a dream that God placed on this sovereign ground for these people years before I even existed. This place is special. The people are special. And the promise God has given to his people is real. And we must embrace our destiny. Remember in week one I, I told you how the sequence of a divine dream unfolds. I just want to do some review to make sure y'all are listening. You need to be taking notes, but you know. How does the sequence of a dream unfold? Well, first, I thought it. I thought it. It crossed my mind. I thought it. Next, I caught it. I caught the vision. I didn't just think about it. I caught it. It instilled a passion in me, and then I sought it. What does it mean to sought something or seek something? It means you started taking steps towards it. Then, and here's where most of us quit. And here's where we find out the real church versus the pretend church, the authentic dreamer versus the doer. <laughs> I bought it. it. means I paid the price for it. I stayed up late working to get it. I finished my degree. I learned my apprenticeship. I didn't quit on the dream. I bought it. And then after a season where you've paid the price to have what you have, you can look up and say, I got it. I got it. And then when you come to the end of your life, you give it. If it's a divine dream, it wasn't yours. It was God's. And the only thing you can do with the dream at the end of your life is leave that to the next generation. So what is the dream of Abba's house? One verse today, but we'll walk you through the entire church epistle. I think I can do it in 35 minutes. Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus, and he didn't want them to live as beggars. They were living beneath their privilege. And the Apostle Paul wanted them to realize who they were in Christ. He wanted them to embrace the dream that was God's for them. That same dream is available today for God's church. 
I'm excited to be preaching from one verse because I've covered eight chapters in the last three weeks. Now to him who is able. The word able in the Greek is dynamio. We get our word dynamite from it. He is able. He can through his power. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. Over, above, and beyond. According to the power that worketh in us, to him be glory in in the church, in the church. Small groups of grace are great. Bible studies are great. Nonprofits that help people are fabulous. But only one body can be the church. It's God's promise to blessing for the authentic church. Don't let people tell you that church doesn't matter. That it's not important. In the New Testament, they didn't even consider you saved if you weren't connected to a body. And that family walked in such unity, they would sell everything they had to make sure the mission was accomplished. They were a family. You need to ask yourself a few questions about your theology. Is your God dead or alive? We treat him like he's dead and never coming back. Like some kind of fairy tale story. Is your God dead or is he alive? Is your God big or is he small? I'll answer that for you. Big enough to have created the universe. Small enough to identify with you in your sin as an individual. Is your God rich or is he poor? Oh, now you're meddling. Is he rich or is he poor? Can he do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think? Or is he poor? And let me say this, he might have been born in a manger, but he reigns as king of all kings. He might have humbled himself and came in the likeness of us, but now he reigns as king with access to all things and everything you need to do what God has called you to do. Is your God real? If he's real, his word's real. And if his word's real, we've got to embrace the dream. I want to share with you the dream of Abba's house and the mission, I believe, that leads us to where God is calling us to go in this season. A mission statement explains why we exist. Our mission statement here at Abba's house, you've already heard it. We are a family, passionately pursuing our freedom in Christ, sharing his love, and helping others fulfill their purpose. In the New Testament, there are metaphors. A metaphor is a word picture. In the book of Ephesians, our text today, the Apostle Paul describes the church in three ways. First, a bride in chapter 5. We are in covenant with a Savior. We are his bride. 
In chapter 1, he describes the church as a body where every joint supplies. Everybody has a role, but we're all connected. Well, Ronnie, what about the, the church ain't a building? The church ain't a building. I'm so sick of hearing that. Because the third thing Paul described the church as was indeed a building. With Jesus as the chief cornerstone. The late R.W. Schambach, who was the spiritual father to Rod Parsley, built a great church in Philadelphia. People saved and healed, and what a great legacy Schambach left. He's in heaven now. But I'm ashamed to report to you that this morning that church is now a mosque. Because the people let the dream die with him. And I pray that Abba's house, long after I'm gone, will still be witnessing, preaching the gospel, holding true to the word. And that this place will be standing when Christ returns. That's my dream and my prayer. But I can't accomplish that by myself. The team and the family has to embrace the dream. A bride, a body, and a building. The dream of Abba's house will become a reality when the mission of Abba's house becomes a priority. The dream of Abba's house will become a reality when the mission of Abba's house becomes a priority. The dream of Abba's house will become a reality when discipleship happens naturally. Let me give you the practical definition of discipleship. It's loving one person enough to spend time with them. It's not complicated. It's discovering who your one is and realizing that they are worth your time. Everybody can do this that's saved. Everybody can do this. Discipleship is not the pastor's job. In fact, it's not even the full-time staff's job. It's the body's job. Caring enough about one person and where they'll spend eternity to spend time with them. The dream of Abba's house will become a reality when the king of all kings guides the expansion. This is his church. This is his dream. He has to guide the expansion and lead and guide us. A mission statement is great, but if you don't have a plan of action, it won't come to pass. What is our strategy? First, you've heard this today already. We're going to experience his grace. We want every person that comes in contact with the people of this church and comes into this atmosphere supernaturally and spiritually to experience his grace. Everybody say grace. Unmerited, undeserved favor. It's not about how good you are. It's about how good God is. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus paid the full penalty for every sin you have ever committed or ever will commit. You can stay in a religious, condemned, guilty mindset, or you can embrace the freedom that is Jesus Christ. People say, well, it's not a license to sin. No, absolutely it's not. But any person that's truly saved doesn't view it as a license to sin. They view it as grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all of our sin. 
The God of grace. Grace. Do you remember what it felt like when you first experienced his grace? Oh, my goodness. Don't you want everybody to feel that way? To feel forgiven, to feel free, to feel blessed? God's called us to reach them next, to equip his people. They ought to feel something, but eventually, to fight the enemy, they got to know something. And they'll never learn anything if we don't teach them. So we experience his grace, we equip his people, and then third, we expand his kingdom. I believe wholeheartedly in a kingdom theology. Jesus is the king. We are his ambassadors, 2 Corinthians 5 and 6. The local church is his embassy. We have access to everything the king has. We can have what the king has. We have a direct line. I learned from Miles Monroe years ago how to pray kingdom over your life. Jesus taught us to pray. He said, we pray thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you have a shortage in your finances, ask God's kingdom to invade your finances. If you have sickness in your body, ask for God's kingdom to invade your body. If you have drama in your relationships, ask God's kingdom to invade your relationships. If you've got trouble on the job, declare and command God's kingdom to invade your job. Ask God's kingdom to invade your mind. If God's kingdom invades your mind, you'll dream bigger. You'll realize just how big God is. See, Paul didn't want the Ephesian believers living like beggars. In fact, it uses that word beggars. He didn't want them living like they were worthless and weren't worthy of anything. And how many Christians do we know live like that? I want you to live free, man. I want you to have what God called you to have. I want you to serve your church, serve your community and the world. Our mission must be bigger than the church. We don't contain. We fill up and pour out. We go beyond the walls. We must embrace this kingdom government and Jesus is our king. To him be glory in the church. Glory in the Greek is doxa and it's when his heavenly light shines down from his kingdom into the hearts of man and it radiates off the hearts of men and women and shines into the communities in which they live. Have you ever been in, a, in an environment where his glory drops, man? I mean, there is no high like the most high. I'm telling you, when his glory drops, man, nothing compares when his anointing falls, when there's glory all around. And in this precious epistle, the church epistle, says that there will be glory in the church. Glory. What do we do with glory? We owe it to the kingdom to take what we feel in here and give it to those beyond these walls. And that leads me to my first point. 
exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask or think. Abba's house, we must first experience his glory together. His glory together. The book of Ephesians teaches us we are adopted, we are given access, we are redeemed, we're forgiven. We're filled with the Holy Ghost, the down payment of our inheritance. And that Jesus is coming back for us. Somebody say, I am filled with the Spirit. We must experience His glory together. Paul would say in Ephesians 3, we are fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of His promise, His dream, His divine dream. Of which I became a minister, Paul would say, according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. See, we love grace now, but back then it was a scandalous doctrine. It's a doctrine that would get you killed. That you don't have to earn this. That you don't have to observe every feast and speak like everybody else. That you don't have to have it all figured out. That Jesus died for you, man. He's forgiven you and he's called you to something greater than that of yourself. Scandalous grace, man. It's still scandalous. It still makes the religious crowd uneasy and nervous. Because let me tell you, if you ever get fully aware of God's grace, you will never be controlled by religion again. And that scares religious people to death because they use control, not authentic relationships. But see, I believe if you get authentic relationship, you don't need to be controlled. You'll be more faithful. You'll give more. You'll believe more. You'll accomplish more. I mean, I'm not interested in manipulating you at all. I want you to have the real Jesus, a real passion, a real faithfulness. If I've got to get up and hype you up and guilt you to do stuff, I'm a failure. My job is to connect you with the king. And once you're connected, man, you can't lose. Embrace his glory together. The Apostle Paul received revelation as to what the church could be and what it should be if they would embrace the dream. We're to experience that together. Number two, we must embrace the mission together. Together. When we come together, the anointing falls. We learn that. In the Gospel of Matthew, even here in Ephesians, it talks about epikorigos in the Greek, where every joint supplies. If everyone's connected, releasing their sound, doing their thing, focused on the mission, laying aside a spirit of competition or jealousy, and, and, and embracing the mission, being faithful with what they have, where they are, the power falls and the glory drops. Paul would say to me, who am less than all of the saints, Ephesians 3 and 8. This grace was given. In other words, Paul's saying, look, I didn't deserve this at all. I was a murderer of Christians. I was a sinner. I celebrated when people were getting martyred for Christ's name. But God on Damascus Road blinded me and filled me and called me to a race that I didn't even like, the Gentiles. Paul say, listen, I, I'm the least of these. I'm not worthy of this grace, but God gave me this grace. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. It doesn't say the unsearchable poverty of Christ. I'm meddling again. 
the unsearchable riches of Christ. You get a hold of his principles, everything else will come. You understand the principles of God's word, then you'll, and you put them to practice, things will happen that I can't even begin to explain. And to make all see what is the fellowship of this mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. The mystery is the mission. If you put these principles into practice, the mission is made manifest. God does it. Abbott's house is a big place with a large reach. Been connected my whole life, been lead pastor here four years now. And every other week I still discover influence that I wasn't even aware that we had. Especially since the pandemic, people have started watching us online that have always felt connected to us, but maybe because they live in another state or whatever, they, they didn't want to watch us anymore. Or they just got preoccupied and I get messages from all over the country. I give God all the praise for that. We must understand that this is not about us. It's not about one person. We must embrace this mission together. We must have a place, an embassy that believes for more, that operates in spirit and truth, and that is ready for the glory and the return of Jesus we must embrace the mission together. You know, I heard a parable about the airplane. You know, they ask parents traveling with children if there's turbulence or the plane's on the verge of crashing to put the oxygen mask on themselves first. Kind of sounds selfish, doesn't it? But no, why do they do that? Because they want the parent to have the oxygen they need to take care of the child. We will never be able to embrace this dream fully until we are completely healthy as an organization and as a family, as a body, as a building. So we've got to be healthy first. I have turned down at least six opportunities to buy churches that are in foreclosure since I became pastor, and there were more before that. Some haven't been the right fit. In some cases, it hasn't been the right time. And the vision eventually is to have points of light all over the country. But the first thing we got to do is we got to take care of mama. Make sure mama's healthy. And then we can grab hold of some of these opportunities and we will know that they're from God. Because let me tell you something. The king can pay for it all. The king is not a beggar and his people aren't beggars. So when God's in something, he'll pay the bill for it. I won't have to beg you for it. Somebody shout amen. amen. I won't have to beg you for an offering. Jesus already paid for it. I believe in a God that can do those kinds of things. We've got to embrace the mission together. Number three, we've got to engage in warfare together. This has all been positive, but let me say this. We're in a war. The enemy's the prince of this air. He's a liar, a murderer, and a thief. He can't possess a Christian, but he can depress, suppress, and compress one. We must understand that we're in a battle for the souls of the next generation. 
for the Word of God. And as a family, we've got to fight as a family. You know, I love mafia movies. Y'all judge me later or forgive me later, whatever you need to do. Just enjoy them. I like them. They bring me joy, okay? But the one thing I love about the whole mafia mindset is you don't go outside the family. You don't dishonor the family. And if the family gets involved in something, even if one family member's half crazy, the family will stay together. And even though it's a kingdom of crime and darkness, the mafia, why do they have the copyright on loyalty and not the church? Why are we getting outshined by a criminal organization when we're supposed to be the place where agreement and unity is made manifest? We've got to be a family. We've got to engage in warfare together. I love what Paul says in Ephesians 3, verse 9 through 13. I won't read it all to you, but just this one part. He's talking about the fellowship of the mystery, and he says, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church, listen to this, to the principalities and powers in heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, listen. Then he talks about having boldness and access with confidence through faith. Does the devil know you exist? If not, he ought to. The devil ought to know the name Abba's house. And when he hears it, it ought to frustrate him and aggravate him to no end. I believe the devil knows exactly who we are. And the people that work for him know who we are. And they don't like us very much. They lie. They make up things. They try to destroy. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And I'm telling you, as we continue to advance God's kingdom, listen to me like you've never listened to anything in your life. The attacks will grow worse. Because the enemy doesn't like to give up his ground or his territory. And when we start seeing the souls, I believe we're going to see. You better be prepared for attacks and you better decide where you're called, what the vision is. And you better lock arms with God's people, my friend. Because, yes, we have a battle coming, but Jesus has already won the war. So we don't have to live in fear. We can live by faith. Number four, we must express his power together. You'll notice togethers in every one of these because if we don't do it together, what I'm preaching to you is meaningless. We have to be together. Spiritual power comes through prayer. And our task is big enough to keep us on our knees. I don't believe we pray enough as a body. We must be in prayer. We need to get back to some all-night prayer meetings in this church this year. And believe that God can turn things around for our nation, for our city. We've got to believe That the God of the universe can drop his glory 
on whatever situation we're in. We've got to put the enemy on notice. We will not quit. We will not stop. We will not retreat. We're moving forward, advancing God's kingdom. Is anybody with me this morning? Has anybody got your armor on this morning? How many of you are tired of the enemy attacking your family and your finances? How many of you are tired of babies getting aborted and demonic stuff happening? How many of you want to see a change? I still believe that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think if the church will be the church, will have his glory. I'm talking about his glory. Not my glory, not your glory, his glory. His light that shines on us and that causes us to shine. We need his glory in this place. Once his glory drops, we will be able to express his power together. Paul would say, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And I'm going to land this plane right now. When the dream becomes a reality, we must expect more together. Is your God big or is he small? Is your God rich or is he poor? Is your God true or is he a lie? If he's big, expect more. If he's got the wealth, expect more. If his word's true, believe it and expect more. We've got to expect more together. If you expect greatness, you will attempt greatness. If you expect greatness, you will attempt greatness. If you think you can do it, you'll go for it. If you don't think you can do it, you will be scared. You will let a spirit of, spirit, a spirit of fear keep you on the sidelines. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. If you expect greatness, you will attempt greatness. I would like for us to know the riches of his presence and his power. How many of you have seen God show up for you and do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or think? Give God a shout of victory if he's shown up for you like that. Scream it loud enough for those watching online to know he'll show up for them. Praise God. If you expect greatness, you'll attempt greatness. If you expect more, you'll have more. If you expect a miracle, you'll receive a miracle. May not be in the time frame you want it or in the manner you like it, but God doesn't fail. He doesn't make mistakes. All things work together for the good, for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. All things. Not some things, all things. We've got to expect more. Franklin D. Roosevelt said this. There are many ways of going forward, 
but only one way of standing still. Many ways to move forward, only one way to stand still. It takes more effort to stand still than it does to move. It's time we move in sharing the gospel in signs and wonders in a change in culture that doesn't involve commenting on Facebook that involves taking back dominion raising up a generation to stand in places where they can be difference makers one person at a time discovering our one loving them enough to spend time with them and grow them up in the Lord being patient with those who are different than us seek to understand those who are different than you without judging them and watch what God will do with that mindset in 1994 a young man decided to become an organ donor the story was shared at Summer Grove Baptist Church in Shreveport Louisiana over 20 years ago and this young boy said he wanted to be a organ donor in case he was to ever die he was in perfect health and his parents really didn't understand why he wanted to be an organ donor but he did and shortly after he became an organ donor he was killed tragically in an accident and his liver was given to one of the most legendary baseball players in the history of the game his name was Mickey Mantle His liver only allowed Mickey to live about 15 more months, sadly. He had other health problems. But in that 15 months, the second baseman on that great Yankees team, Bobby Richardson, led Mickey Mantle to Jesus Christ. Mickey Mantle came to Christ because of the intuition and the glory from a young boy. that wanted people to live after he was gone. I read that story and I thought, man, Mickey Mantle's in heaven because of a little boy and because his friend loved him enough to never stop trying to see him saved right up until his death. We gotta have that passion as a church again. If this dream's gonna become a reality, this destiny, it's going to be made manifest. We got to love people. I love them enough to tell the truth, loving enough to share His grace, equip them, and expand God's kingdom. Everybody can do something. Everybody can do something. I challenge you today to embrace this vision, to embrace this dream embrace it together experience his glory together expect more together if we'll embrace this his glory will come and we'll see the greatest move we've ever seen would you stand on your feet with me if you're watching online or you're in the house today and you say Pastor Ronnie I'm a sinner I gave up on my dreams a long time ago. Let me tell you, you can dream again. God's not done with you. You're actually right where you need to be to receive a miracle. 
God wants to save you. It's by his grace you've been saved. And if you need Jesus in your life, if you need to be forgiven of your sins, have peace with God, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Whether you're watching online or in the house, Abba's house, help me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me for your glory. If you prayed that prayer and you're in the house or watching online, I want you to go to our Ibis House app, register your salvation decision. You can go to RonniePhillips.org, register your decision as well. We want to help you get started. Maybe some of you are in here today and you say, you know, I, I've never been under a covering of a, of a body, a building, a, a local church, a bride. But I'm digging what God's put on you and this dream he's put on this place and I want to connect with it. You can also go to our app and you can become a member of Abbas House right now. You don't have to sign anything in blood. It's just your commitment under the power of the Holy Spirit to say, that's my church. I'm there through the good times and bad. Unless God moves me or promotes me. I believe God's calling people to help with this vision he's given us. People in this city, young and old, every culture. This is a multi-generational and multicultural church. We need every age. We need every race. We need every gift. It's who we are. It's who God's called us to be. We're supposed to look a lot like heaven. We're starting to. Amen. That's you. You can join the church. We're going to our app registering. Maybe you just need to dream again. Maybe you, you've made God small in your mind or you've made God weak. You've made God poor. And today your expectation through the power of the Holy Spirit has begun to change. And you're going to leave here expecting more out of God. If that's you, just raise your hand up. Let me pray for you as we close. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those who have changed their mind about you, who are going to leave here with a healthy expectation of who you are. They're going to believe you for miracles, promotion, favor, kindness, new relationships, kingdom strategies to take dominion. I declare as the pastor of this house that we're going to see a harvest of souls soon and that God's people who've been laboring and who've been praying and who've been weeping and who've been seeking and who've been yearning, they're going to see their harvest. God's going to show up and do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask or think. Why? Because His glory is in the church. Give God a shout of praise.